0: Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us today. Woodside. I am so excited to be with you this morning. I hope that worship has really stirred your heart. I hope that you've been blessed and been edified. You know, we don't do this often, these types of recordings. Our bread and butter is live preaching by your campus pastor. So I take this very seriously and I'm going to try my best to really speak from my heart about what is most important in this season for our church and to also open up the word of God with you in a way that I believe will really speak to your heart as well. Let me just say a word about tonight. I'm so fired up that tonight. We get a chance to gather together for our annual celebration. It's once a year that we do this and it's a special time. Worship leaders from all 14 campuses are going to be gathered together, so it's going to be phenomenal worship. It's also going to be childcare there, so if you have kids, you can bring them. But we get a chance to look back and reflect on the goodness of God over these past 12 months. And man, when I say that God has been good, that is an understatement. Tonight we'll get a chance to hear how God has blessed us in our worship gatherings, how God has multiplied our groups and our impact through our groups, and how God has allowed us to serve our communities across all 14. Uh, cities that we're in as well as through our global partners We'll celebrate baptisms, we'll celebrate conversions, we'll celebrate marriages and weddings, breakthroughs and all that God has been doing. So I want you to come and be here tonight. In addition to all of that, we'll also cover some very important business. If you are a member of Woodside, you'll get a chance to speak into our budget for this year, which is really important, the stewardship of our resources. You'll also get a chance to affirm tonight our leaders uh elders and leaders for your campus and our church broadly that's a huge responsibility if you're a member but i'm also very excited today is historic and uh, i'm grateful that today as a church family across all 14 campuses we get a chance to vote on Uh, potential new merger now we'll find out the results of the vote from this morning and announce it this evening but I'm really praying that God will allow this uh, merger to go forward so that we can see the gospel reach of Woodside extend to the Riverview community such an awesome uh, community and uh, maybe you've heard it I'm sure your campus pastors mentioned to you right across the street from this beautiful high school riverview high school 1200 students there representing so many families and i pray that we'll see many of them who don't know christ come to know the love and the grace of jesus so my heart is overflowing and full of joy i want to say one more word then we'll look to the uh, scriptures about your campus pastors You know, God has blessed you and I to be able to have such great leaders here at Woodside. I am so privileged to work alongside of your campus pastor. You know, our campus pastors love God with all their hearts. They love the scriptures and they lead us well in the word of God, but they also carry you in their heart. Um, There's not a day that goes by that I'm not hearing from one of the campus pastors about uh, their commitment to you, to serving you and to going to God on behalf of your family. And I just want you to know that. I want you to know that it's more than just uh, their preaching and their teaching, but they really are committed. And I know that many of you already realize this, but please pray for them, pray for their families because they carry you in their heart. and I pray that you would carry them in your heart as well. Today I wanna just spend a few moments talking to you about the type of people that we need to be in this current cultural moment. When I think about our culture, I realize that there's so many ways to describe it. As a matter of fact, sociologists kind of make a living at describing different eras of uh, history. And when they look back on this era of history, I wonder what they would use to describe it. What term would they coin to describe this era? Well, I'm not a sociologist, but if I were to venture a guess, uh, I would use the term conflict. You know, our culture is marked by conflict. Uh, Some have even described it as the age of outrage. It is a retaliation culture. It's a conflict culture. It's a culture that pits one group against another. Maybe you've seen it certainly in the political arena. Maybe you've seen it in social groups being at odds or tense with one another. Maybe you've even seen it within the, the church. And it's one thing for it to be out in the broader culture it's an entirely different thing for it to be in the church but as some have have said before that 11 a.m on sunday morning is often the most divided time in america Uh, we've seen it over the past year these external tensions coming internal to the church almost creating uh, a boiling point a civil war if you will uh, among believers christ's church being divided But for those of you who know scripture, you know this is the exact antithesis of what Christ died for. This is the opposite of what he prayed for. His longest prayer, recorded in John 17, verses 20 through 23 in particular, prays for unity. Over and again he prays that you and I would be one. So today I want to talk to you about uh, what it means to be ambassadors of reconciliation. You know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 20, that you and I have been given the ministry of reconciliation whereby we call men to be reconciled to God. And this reconciliation is a powerful Powerful calling you and I are not called to give in to the conflict culture that marks our generation We're not called to give in to the outrage But we're called to demonstrate a gospel that is so powerful that it even overcomes the cultural barriers that tend to separate our broader cities and communities if we're going to demonstrate the power of the gospel to our generation it's going to be seen in our unity not in our division Now, I think one of the most powerful passages of scripture on this is found in Ephesians chapter two. So can you go there with me? Ephesians chapter two. Now, in Ephesians chapter two, Paul is talking about grace and what grace has done for us. As a matter of fact, that's one of Paul's major theological themes, grace. How grace has allowed us to be adopted into the family of God, predestined for glory, uh, how grace has changed and transformed our hearts, he talks about grace upon grace upon grace. When we also often think about grace, we think about the forgiveness that we have received. But we often underestimate the connection between grace and reconciliation. And so today I want to talk to you about the fruit of grace being reconciliation. And we're going to see two ways that grace reconciles us. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2 if we can. First, we'll look at verses 11 through 13. I want to read this to you. Read along with me. It says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant Of promise having no hope and without God in the world but now in Christ Jesus you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ these are beautiful words that are theologically rich I want to just focus in on one word that the Apostle Paul starts this uh, whole paragraph off with and it's the word remember he says in verse number 11 therefore remember don't forget this and why is he calling us to remembrance why was he calling the church at Ephesus to remembrance well anytime you call someone to remembrance it's because there's something that's happened already that you don't want them to lose sight of and what is it that he doesn't want them to lose sight of he doesn't want them to lose sight of their former state now I want to be clear Paul doesn't bring up their former condition in order to condemn them He doesn't bring up their former condition in order to make them feel less than or inferior. He brings up their former condition so that they might celebrate what God has done by his grace. Look at what it says here. Therefore, remember, at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision. Now, the first thing that you have to take note of is that there was a distinction, according to Paul, prior to Christ, between Jew and Gentile. Now we're gonna to get to that in a moment, but I just want to say right here that there were major tensions between these two people groups. When you think about our culture right now, you can think about all of these tension points between people groups. Uh, definitely political, we see the tension between uh, who are called those who are called liberals and those who are called conservatives, Democrats and Republicans. We see the tension in race or ethnic, ways between blacks and whites and whites and blacks we see the tension even between generations between genders male and female all of these tensions but i do want you to know that all of them pale in comparison to the extreme tension that existed between jew and gentile but even greater is the tension that we're about to read about where Paul says, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. As great as the tension was between Jew and Gentile, far greater was the tension between God and man. On the one side, you have a righteous, holy God who is sinless and perfect. On the other hand, you have sinful, fallen man. And because of our sin, there was a gulf between us and God. There was what the scriptures describe as enmity or anger or hatred, to put it more specifically, between us and God. And Paul recognizes that as great as attentions are that we might see in this world, these cultural distinctions Far greater is the, the tension that existed between a righteous and holy God and sinful man. Now, why is this important? It's important because it demonstrates the power of grace. Because in the season in which we were separated from Christ, when we were strangers to the Commonwealth of Israel, when we were alienated from the covenants uh, that God had given to Israel, when we were in this world without God, in steps verse number 13 and verse number 13 demonstrates his grace. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. My friends, I don't know if you just saw what grace did, but what grace does is reconcile us to God. It literally takes enemies and makes them friends. This is what reconciliation is all about. This is the ministry that you and I have been given to be able to say to sinful men that while you were enemies with God, Christ died for you and for me to provide a way of reconciliation whereby we could be forgiven of our sins and restored into relationship with God. And if grace is powerful enough to reconcile us to God, it is definitely powerful enough to reconcile us to To one another. We'll get back to that, but I just want to illustrate this for a moment. You know, one of the great stories from church history, one of the great leaders from church history is St. Patrick of Ireland. And maybe you've heard of him, you know, in recent years, over the uh, centuries, uh, Patrick has become more known for clover leaves and green beer than the story of his life. Patrick actually was not from Ireland, though his name often is associated with that nation. No, rather, he was from a nation uh, that was at tension with Ireland. He was from England. And during that time, the tension between uh, the uh, the people of England and the people of Ireland uh, was great. Uh, Patrick grew up in a Christian home, but he was nominally Christian at best himself. And at the age of 16, he was walking along the seashore, which... Uh, Pirates, Irish pirates came and they kidnapped him and took him as a slave back to Ireland. Can you imagine being a 16-year-old away from your family, away from your country, a slave in enemy territory? Well, during that time where he was a sheep herder as a slave employee for his slave master, Patrick actually met God. God met him in that lonely place as he often does for us when we're in a lonely place. And God won his heart. And during that time, Patrick surrendered his life to God and pledged to serve him. And one day, miraculously, Patrick is able, after six years, to make his escape from his slave master. He gets to the seashore, finds British merchants or English merchants, and they take him back to his homeland. He's reunited with his parents. His mom embraces him and asks him to promise that he would never leave her again. Patrick agrees that he would never leave her again, but he does tell his parents, good news, I have given my heart to Christ, and I want to serve him with my life. He goes on to the monastery where he learns about the scriptures and about the Christian life, hoping to lead God's church from his home in England, but God interrupts his plans simply in a way that is profound and changes history, the same way God often interrupts our plans, and in a vision of Uh, Patrick sees the people of Ireland in their pagan worship during that time they were up under the Druid religion and Patrick sees a vision of them and he hears God calling him to go back and to preach the gospel to them. And so he breaks his mom's heart in obeying Jesus and the voice of the Lord, and he goes back to Ireland and he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ there. And 53 tribal leaders come to know Jesus. During that time, uh, Ireland was divided up into these many tribes, but Patrick preaching the gospel helps to reconcile them to God, and also connecting them to one another and marking forever Ireland as a Christian nation under the rule of Christ. It's a powerful story worth your investigation and your study. I bring up Patrick to illustrate the point that when God gets a hold of our hearts, he can take us from being enemies of Christ to being friends with Christ by his grace. And through that grace, once he reconciles us to him, he's able to use us to minister to others, even our enemies. You see, this is what reconciliation is. Reconciliation, which is the ministry we've been called to, helps to take enemies and makes them friends so that together we can be better in serving Christ. Look at what it goes on to say. Paul's writing, picking up in verse number 14. After the entrance of Christ into our lives, here's what it says. For he himself, referring to Christ, is our peace, who has made us, For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and and members of the household of God. Man, I love this passage of scripture. In the first half of this paragraph, we learn that grace reconciles us to God. But in the second half, we learn that grace reconciles us to one another. You notice here that he says that the grace that has come through the cross of Christ tore down the wall, the dividing wall of hostility that existed. Now, he in his context would have been referring to, again, the ethnic tension that existed between Jew and Gentile. But just fast forward to our culture. Think about the tensions that we have experienced. I've, I've talked about some. This doesn't even include the tensions you may be experiencing in your own family where there are parents alienated from children spouses that are on the verge of a divorce I want to let you know that grace has the power to reconcile us to a holy God but it also has the power to reconcile us to one another and the world needs to see this power if you just want to perpetuate what's in the culture just continue to divide continue to live in conflict continue to just find enemies to retaliate against continue to use social media to perpetuate an outrage culture because by doing that we reflect the, t- the culture but I don't believe that God has called us to simply be thermometers I believe that God has called us to be thermostats you know the difference right a thermometer reflects the temperature but the thermostat sets the temperature Christ doesn't want us to simply reflect the broader culture around us. He wants us to set a new temperature, a temperature of reconciliation instead of conflict. It takes no power to simply divide and find enemies and cancel one another. That takes no spiritual power, but it takes much power to walk in the grace of God, which is revealed in the cross in a relationship with God through Christ and then in a relationship with one another. Again, the tension between Jew and Gentile is as great, if not greater, than the tensions we experience here. All you have to do is read books like Jonah to see how much the Jews hated the Gentiles. But yet, because of Christ, now we are one family if we believe in God. Maybe there's hatred or anger in your heart towards the other, whoever the other may be. Maybe you find yourself on one political end of the spectrum and you hate the other. Or maybe you find yourself in one ethnic group and you find yourself with growing disdain towards the other. Or maybe you find yourself in one gender group and you find yourself growing in disdain towards the other. Or maybe it's a generational divide. Whatever these social divides might be, I know this, they're not more powerful than what Christ did on that cross. And it's not more powerful than the grace of God that is able to reconcile us to him and us to one another let me give you an illustration of one of the most powerful demonstrations of this uh, that I've ever seen and it comes from the life of dr. John M Perkins maybe you've heard of him before uh, dr. Perkins is a noted civil rights leader and a passionate preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ he's now 91 years of age I got a chance to spend a few days with him about a month ago you know, Dr. Perkins was born in the South, Mississippi more specifically, in the 1930s. Now imagine what that must have been like as an African-American being born in the Jim Crow South of the 1930s. Uh, the racism was pretty tangible. Uh, it was an oppressive culture, and it was the type of culture that John Perkins grew up wanting to get out of. He wanted nothing more than to leave Mississippi. Well, later on, as a teenager, he saw his brother uh, killed in an act of racial aggression. And then he was arrested uh, unjustly, uh, persecuted by uh, his community. Ultimately, he was beaten almost to death in a Mississippi prison. Well, he emerged from that, was able to join the military and go to a new life in California where he pledged he would live the rest of his life, never going back to Mississippi again. While he was there, Christ met him. He gave his life to Jesus. As a matter of fact, his son Spencer was integral in that and bringing the good news that he learned in Sunday school back home to his unbelieving dad. John Perkins gave his life to Jesus. And surprise of surprises, he went back to Mississippi after hearing God tell him that he needed to go back to preach a gospel that was big enough to reconcile blacks and whites together. He goes back in the heart of the 1950s, still great tension there, but now he's equipped with the power of God's grace, which is able to reconcile men to one another and to make enemies friends john perkins has been used by god in an amazing way in mississippi to help to uh, start a movement of reconciliation if you were to visit mendenhall mississippi and jackson mississippi you would see his fingerprints all over it as a matter of fact outside of the courtroom that he was convicted in unjustly there is now a plaque dedicated to him that tells of how mississippi is a better place because of john perkins Why was John Perkins able to go back and preach a gospel that brought blacks and whites together? Why was he able to go and preach a message that reconciled enemies and made them friends? It was because of God's grace that had reconciled him to the Lord and enabled him to reconcile others together. You know, my friends, uh, John uh, Perkins and uh, Patrick of Ireland, they're not unique. God's grace is available to all of us. And so today, as I consider uh, this great day of celebration, I am reminded that we are better together, that it's the enemy's business to try to separate us. And that's what he's been doing over these last few months, over this last year or so. He's been trying his best to separate us because he knows that when the church of God is united, that the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against us. So my message to you today is let's be ambassadors of his grace. Let's be ambassadors of this message of reconciliation. Let's not give in to a conflict culture or the age of outrage, but let's preach grace. The grace of God revealed through the cross of Christ is able to reconcile men to God and then men to one another, thereby making enemies friends. You know, as we prepare to close, I do want to, invite you to surrender your heart to the lord maybe you have searched your heart as i've preached as this worship gathering is going on and uh, the lord is really uh, drawing you to himself and if that's the case today uh, before you leave this place i want you to come to the front uh, after we close in worship after you hear from your campus pastor and just say i need a relationship with jesus or if you're watching online i want you today to just type connect and one of our team members will follow up with you because I believe that Christ is able to reconcile your heart to himself and he's able to make all things new. Well, my friends, I can't wait to see you tonight at our annual celebration. It's gonna be a great time as we celebrate this historic moment in the life of our church. Remember, we are better together. Remember, I love you, but God loves you more. I'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together.